This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes back for more. Brought to you this week by my bookie and Manscaped. More on them later. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino. We are halfway through this WrestleMania week. Chris, are you loaded up on snacks for the weekend? Yeah, I am. I've uh, fired up the slow cooker. I made Italian beef. I made short ribs two different ways today, Hawkins. I did some in the slow cooker. I braised some with a little bit of salt. A little bit of jalapeno pepper, um, and I made myself a sandwich, which uh, was apparently good enough that it put me out on the bed behind me here for about <laughs> three hours. Yes, because uh, I was going to try and get this. I was going to try and get our NXT review in uh, a little bit early, and both of us fell asleep on the couch. I have yet to do my WrestleMania quote-unquote shopping. I'm sure a queso dip will be on the menu in some way. Uh Kind of thinking of trying. Uh, there's a there's a smaller chain called Round Table Pizza. Have you heard of this? I have not. No. They have a street taco pizza, and I am, I am in search of a great taco pizza, like the one I had as a child, and I can't find it because it, it of all places, it was at Showbiz Pizza, the the old. Uh, the one that eventually bought Chuck E. Cheese and then became Chuck E. Cheese. But I don't think they ever put it on their menu once they shut down all the show business. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that. You know, I may treat myself to something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, two days, four hours plus. Start stretching now. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Today we're going to... We're going to review the the NXT shows, all of which I thought were pretty good. Some were great, even. Uh, not much news, but uh, and maybe you want you want to talk a little bit about the Raw Go Home show as much as I don't want to, but we will do that, right? Yeah, we. I mean, we, I think we need to talk about the Raw Go Home show, okay. not because it was good, but because <laughs> it was not. We gave you people almost three hours last week, and that shocked me because I was like, number one, Rob McCarron's rolling in his grave <laughs> because he was always the guy going, we can't do a podcast more than an hour, Hawkins. People won't tune into it. <laughs> and number two, just because you think we wouldn't have that much fun talking about wrestling, half of which we don't really like all that much, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, I'm going to make a couple of points before going into the news. Number one, I am going to do my best for you, the younger viewers of Shake Them Ropes, to try not to reference NWA wrestlers anymore, because I realize now I'm making 35-year-old references <laughs> things. It's it's not only past the nostalgia of some people, it's past the nostalgia of their children at this point when I reference Ron Garvin. <laughs> and I'm just like, and that frightens me a bit, Chris. I am I am a man of Edge's age. <laughs> Not as much Grecian uh, formula. Well, uh, and <laughs> I have been pushing you recently to do some. I just want you to wear the wig. 
Like we're we're doing the video era now. I want you to wear the and the stubble. It's kind of a rock and roll stubble. I sent you over here. It's gonna go great with the manscaped ads, because uh, because now you know you'll be showing that you, you you're doing a little bit of facial accoutrement. Uh, this is actually roll. fresh shaved. I just have the very dark beard in here. There you go. Hey, but, are uh, we on gallery view? Yes, we are. All right, rock and roll. <laughs> Producing me while I'm doing a show. I uh, found a way to sneak <laughs> it in there. I just want to make sure. I, I have I have the those of you who saw me on Fightful when I did uh, Anna, Anna Bauer and I dressed up as uh, Vince Vega and uh, and 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 Mia Wallace because Sean Ross Sapp had never seen Pulp Fiction, so we were trolling him. I have that wig somewhere. I think still. I think I might throw it, but I could I could pull off a Bailey. I could pull off an Aunt Pam. With that wig. <laughs> I I would love you to do an edge week where you try to, like, quote-unquote, turn back the clock, but in the most awkward of ways. Trying to have hair, <laughs> which I haven't had in, like, 25 years, but okay. No, we are on video as well, Voices of Wrestling, Voices of Wrestling at YouTube. Uh, look us up there if you want to just watch us kind of roll our eyes at each other when we make bad points. Uh, <laughs> the second... Second point I want to make, I going into this NXT, man, I did I did some thinking. And say you're a guy like Johnny Gargano. And you know, you you like Gargano. This is not exactly it, but you know, you're on the indies and that's kind of like high school football and you know, you're going around and maybe you meet one WWE legend and you talk to him a bit. It's probably Hacksaw Duggan cuz he goes on every indie show somewhere. He tells you about the oh man, they treat you well there. Great. It's like being the show, you know, like Bull Durham, that whole thing. Another arcade reference, but I'm going with it. Then you get up to the Super Indies, like PWG, and that's, you know, a little bit more. And you get bigger crowds, and it's like being a very high-caliber high school player. Then you get to NXT, and you get to have these great shows in front of these crowds. And, you know, you go, hey, man, I've made it, kind of, but... Not quite. It's like being a great college football player, you know, like at like an Alabama or a Division One school of some kind. We'll see what it's like in the pros. I want to see what it's like up there. You get to WWE. You've had these great shows like NXT takeovers over and over and over again. Vince looks at you and goes, "Let's make him a wrestling monkey." He looks like a Manchichi. That Johnny Gargano. <laughs> Put this on. You're like. This would never happen to me. This, oh, that's those other guys. So that's just looks like Mighty Mouse, like Neville. Remember that story where Neville's gonna be wrestling Mighty Mouse, and you just think if they took all the WWE out of WWE, we could have ourselves one hell of a company here. No, but you have definitely struck on a great example of Johnny Gargano is a guy who, when he came in. And was in NXT, and we were having this conversation. Neither one of us thought he would do well on the main roster because of the way Vince had settled into certain booking patterns on the main roster. That was several years ago. By several years ago, I mean over five years ago. <laughs> and nothing has changed since then. And it is still very much the case that it is, it's hard to imagine 
It's like Tavas Chapa put in a ton of work since he first came in, and they were DIY, and has changed his look a number of different ways. I think Tommaso Ciampa is a badass, but if you brought him up to the main roster, Vince would have him in mid-card hell so quickly. He he'd would be, be dying chasing... his beard and hair. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He would be he'd be on the edge. True, they'd make him wear a wig. Uh, they, they, yeah, he'd be. Let's getting make the him edge. an eighty-year-old wrestler. We'll have a cane. <laughs> and, right, or or they would make him act like he was sixty-five years old um, as a guy like in his late thirties and. That, then he would also be challenging for the 24-7 title and, like, yeah, feigning being an old man. No, it would be horrible. Old man Ciampa would be a reality. Um, we know this to be true about the booking patterns in WWE. And I think everyone, like, it's not just us, the hosts. I don't. I definitely don't think we're sitting on a high when we're coming up with better ways of booking the show because I imagine that anyone listening to this show has thought up of, you know, Let's say well over a dozen good ideas in the last five years that would be superior angles. I'm talking about like pretty much there are people in the company who have come up with superior. Angles. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the in our DMs. No, it, I mean. it, it's it's not it's like not that hard to imagine this being a more exciting, a more engaging, layered week to week thing where there's an episodic quality and a serialization quality that leaves you always wanting more. And you can't wait to see what the next beat in this angle or that angle is going to be like wrestling in certain ways. Yes. It feels like from yesteryear, but it also feels like it has certain timing conventions that are very much of the moment. And it's frustrating to not see them, um, find their way in this current era. That said, this is their big week. This is their spectacle week. That's why you bring out the big guns on the go-home show. That's why you do a little guy I like to call Baron Corbin. I'm sorry, King Corbin, King of the go-home <laughs> show, Corbin. And you got to close out your Raw. I- I'll imagine... Go, go, because uh- I was... <laughs> Okay. Dear listeners, oh. I want you to take a trip with me. You've now kind of gone down this memory lane thing with me. I'm not bringing you back to Ronnie Garvinville. Don't worry. Love you, Hawkins. <laughs> I, I, I ask you only to go with me back 10 years here. A time before the WWE Network where there was still this thing called pay-per-views. And the goal of the model of television to pay-per-view was to create television arcs, usually in the four-week window, but in the case of Mania, 12 weeks-ish, maybe eight weeks-ish, where you sell people on buying WrestleMania. Uh, So the idea, the financial incentive of the go-home show was this is a unit shifter. It has to kick ass. It has to be a really good white hot show that makes you absolutely need to see the next thing of this, which is the paid program, which is going to be WrestleMania. In that era, Baron Corbin didn't exist. But could you imagine going, and the way we are going to sell the people on this is a no reason Drew McIntyre versus Bobby I'm sorry, Drew McIntyre versus Baron Corbin go-home match. When Baron Corbin has been a 24-7 goober, mostly, for the last year. 
This would not move buy rates. If we were still in the pay-per-view era, this would be one of the all-time worst Raws. Hawkins almost didn't want to talk about this, but we have to because this was a horrible, horrible, horrible show. And it absolutely would not have driven a buy rate. They're lucky it didn't need to. Poly positive never comes down Hawkins Lane all that much. I was like, let's let's just talk about the good and and the happiness and the things that made us happy in NXT Takeover. Chris comes in. I want to talk about Baron Corbin. I'm just like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that it? It was a bad show, Hawkins. <laughs> it was a bad show. Uh, do, uh, do, do we need to go? No, do you need no. me to go note through note for this show? Because no. no. I mean, we no. had a lot of Baron Corbin on the show. No, I don't. <laughs> I really. <laughs> Jeff, well, I got a Baron Corbin rant in me. No, not this week. Any week but this week. No, this is this is the. <laughs> they chose to close the sale with Baron Corbin. Yes, uh, he's like he's like a. Chris, the they Miz. broke up the Hurt Business to close the sale with Baron Corbin. With Baron Corbin. Oh, my God. This is the instincts that this company has sometimes. <laughs> uh, going to news. <laughs> I was going to wait for you to do this after the news, but uh, no, it's not done. a lot. It's done. Uh, I did it. W- w- <laughs> WD. <laughs> WD? WD40. Yeah. Loosen up. Okay. WWE has confirmed that going on last on night one will be the Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair title match. I think that's very interesting. I wonder how the live crowd will go through that. See, this is weird because either way, I think they'd lose if they had a full house there. Because I think if they put Lashley and Drew, you'd get the people who really wanted the women's match on last booing them. And if you had a full house and you had this match going on last, you'd have one-fourth of the dude bros chanting CM Punk. And so I think they're in kind of a no-win situation. But I think I think if this match is laid out properly, I think it could steal the weekend. Yeah, they got a little bit of an uphill climb here. You, you make yeah. an interesting point of, I don't think the presentation on Bianca has been very good. Neither so, of these women have been, have been good in terms of being no, presented. So the reason I think that's important, though, is then the audience is going to bias towards what they know, which is Sasha Banks, which is which is the uphill struggle. Who is over in all her matches at WrestleMania, which will also be like a sticking point for some people, especially if you are a big fan of Sasha Banks. Um, And there are those on Twitter just (laughs) say something mildly critical and they'll come after you. And similarly... There is a non-negligible contingent, and I think I'm among them, who does not want to see Bobby Lashley lose the title and thought that the Hurt Business was the right faction and actually would have loved to have seen like Lashley essentially blow past Edge and Drew McIntyre here. He's a heel. This three, three-way match is actually kind of tailor-made for a big heel win in a three-way match with you know some controversy or whatever, but like the stipulation allows a heel to win. Um, I like Drew, but the intrigue to me is Bobby Lashley It finally gets the belt after all these years, and so I, I could see that if that was in the main event slot, potentially being going uphill a little bit. Maybe people are getting a little bit tired of Drew. Maybe people are a little bit ready for Bobby Lashley. I would have loved 
that visual of the Hurt Business standing tall with all the gold at the end of Mania. And then they, then they ruin it with Hogan or something. But <laughs> for the first short time, the visual with the Hurt Business would have been something, I think. I, I, I agree. And I think it would have... It would have been really fun to build that out. I, this is going to just make you depressed because we can't do it. But a war games between the New Day with a friend and the Hurt Business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one from the rumor mill. We had been told that there was a plan to have Becky versus Bailey on Mania and that they couldn't get to it because, you know, Becky's still coming back. But... She is teasing on her Twitter that she will be on night one, perhaps in a ding-dong hello segment. <coughs> uh, if Becky is on this show, how do you feel about that as a surprise for the live crowd and not pushing that for the network? Because I think they should plug it. I don't, I don't, think, it, I don't think they should have these kinds of surprises. I think on a new network like Peacock, you drive all the eyeballs you can to the show. Yeah, having the transition from the WWE network over to Peacock um, and having that transition not necessarily be the smoothest thing in the world right now. I th- like, you know, the fact of the matter is, is many people prefer the WWE network's format to the Peacock network's format. So do you really want to be driving eyeballs to what I think... Uh, Many stream users consider to be the inferior model right now. I don't know. I think I, I think you'd be better off just on the live event and having it for the live people. Final Wednesday night numbers: AEW six hundred eighty-eight thousand, NXT seven hundred sixty-eight thousand. That's without Peacock. AEW finishes fifth for the night in the demo. NXT eleventh for the night on cable, and thus ends the quote-unquote Wednesday night wars. I think NXT uh, only won two of however long this ran. They only won like two weeks, right? They in won terms this of total week. viewers, yes. Yeah, I don't think they yeah. ever won a demo battle. No, no. okay, but yeah, like uh, <laughs> look, it's important. Humans are humans, though. Like like these fifty-five year olds, these boomers buy stuff just as much as everyone else. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the Hawkins say- market. We caught. They should make nothing but Ronnie Garvin references on NXT. <laughs> yeah, it, no, I, 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 it's, I get on one hand the importance of 18 to 35 for building brand loyalty for the rest of someone's life, right? Like we make decisions about certain products that we like and then we keep using them forever, blah, 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 blah. But like, you know, human beings keep buying new stuff all the time at, at throughout the entirety of our lives. So like, I also think it's, it's possible to overstate the importance of the demo, and I think some people have been overstating the importance of the demo in service of a preferred outcome that they would like to see during the course of this Wednesday Night War. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, eyeballs are attached to humans who have wallets. And to that point, AEW won most of the weeks on the raw numbers of eyeballs with humans and wallets attached. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting, the weekend numbers for Mania, people watching live. Because I know the audiences don't intersect, but the sports audience is going to be watching the Masters, which is a big deal in golf. So I'm, I'm going to be interested in that. I'm going to be interested in... Uh, replay numbers but you know for the wednesday night wars 
such as they were. I'm going to be interested to see if hockey can make a dent in in AEW because I don't think they can. I don't. I, mean, I, I think, think they're different audiences, largely. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also. I haven't looked at this in a minute, but I do remember hockey really being kind of more of a it it unlike other sports which are a little bit which are national, hockey is a little bit more regional northern yes. part of the country, um, in terms of its popularity. It's not to say that like like, you know, the Phoenix Coyotes, I lived in Arizona when they made the Phoenix Coyotes. They were popular. Um it was you know, especially because it was actually nice to leave the outside of the desert and go into an ice rink. It was a interesting contrast. But uh yeah, like I don't think that they are crossover audiences in a severe enough way that it threatens AEW in any meaningful way. And I also think that someone who likes AEW probably likes wrestling in a niche level of intensity yes. that is greater than sports. All right. Well, that's the end of the news. Chris, I will give you some time now to bring up NXT Night 2 while I read from our first sponsor. And that is my bookie. Once again, we thank them for sponsoring us. It is April, kids. Baseball season has started. The Masters is on. The NBA playoffs is coming up strong. Heck, why not just go put a few bucks on the WNBA? And that's where my bookie comes in. It doesn't matter what sport you're looking to do, whether you're betting a national title, whether you're just going for day-to-day baseball, my bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code ROPES, that's R-O-P-E-S, to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. And make sure you use my promo code so they know I hooked you up over there. That's promo code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, to claim your first deposit bonus. The NBA, the NHL still going on. Again, the Masters, big betting weekend for them. No matter the sport, no matter the minute, my bookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. And with a choice of thousands of lines and odds, you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Once again, mybookie.ag. Use code ROPES. Get up to $1,000 deposit bonus. And we thank them, as always, for sponsoring shows on the Voices of Wrestling Network. Now, NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver. I tend to think Stand was greater than Deliver. But between these two and NXT UK Prelude, if you just watched these three shows this week, you're a very happy boy. I'm a happy boy, happy boy, I'm a happy boy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's a a novelty song I used to listen to on Dr. Demento. I just decided to break into song. Uh, Chris, I think you had the best metaphor for this NXT TakeOver two-night event. I will let you go into it now. Yeah, the metaphor I have for this is it is a double album. Which double album, Chris? Glad you asked. I think that, in a way, is sort of likens to Fleetwood Mac's Tusk. Uh, I will go <laughs> older than Hawkins' references here. <laughs> Okay, nobody can get on me for having the oldest reference on this show. Well, actually, no, I'm going to go another double album, so <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, but I, I, I liken it to Tusk, which has a number of fun tracks on it. I'm not going to go track by track and uh, edit down Tusk for the listeners here to make them a super cut of the album, but this album su- or this show spread over two nights suffers from what WWE's product and now AEW's product suffers from, which is you create this multi-spread-out content thing, 
And it's hard to make interesting arcs. NXT's not been white hot. So this TakeOver show was already going to be a challenge. Um, but a lot of times the self-contained one-night nature of the TakeOver show made it easier. Introducing the two-night format required the booking um, of tight one-night standalone shows, but also like wraparound bridging arcs between night one and night two. So it added additional writing complexity that the writing team was not able to really deliver on or tried to swerve us. Like adding Bronson Reed to night two did not make night two more interesting. It made it less interesting because no one believes that Bronson Reed is going to win the title. Whereas at least with Dexter Loomis being inserted in a match against Johnny Gargano, now we have the intrigue of an angle. Even if you don't know what the, even if you think there's not going to be a title change, you feel pretty sure that there's going to be some sort of angle or nonsense or something and, you know, and that that's a lot of what the issue of the show was. Uh, the high notes of this show were very, very high. Like, and, and we'll now go kind of blow by blow through the show here. Um, the good stuff Hold was on, really what, good. What, what, what year was Tusk? Tusk was, do you have it up? I, I, am I guessing right now? No, no, no. Is, I'm, I'm asking <clears> if you knew offhand. I think it's 19. I'm going to say 77. Okay. Uh, let's well, see. I, Tusk yeah. is... 79. Damn. I was going to go with 1971's Chicago 3 double album, in which the second album is completely superfluous in every way, and the first album is actually some of their strongest stuff. But this I kind of feel like that just... about like Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what were your favorite double albums? Call us now. 1-800-SHAKE-ROPES. <laughs> <laughs> the, my keyboard had a thing to say there. It's, uh, I know. Spit out a few notes. Like, oh, we became a morning I, show again. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, my main note on night two was this was the night when a lot of their sports entertainment sensibilities came in, as opposed to just wanting to put on the two-hour wrestling show. That was nice. There, yeah. There that that's the other of... problem. The night-to-night thing requires you to do sports entertainment angles, right? Yeah, there's a lot of the interference. There's a lot of the here's the big dramatic moment type of stuff. That that was my main takeaway. Night one, a little bit more pure, a little more uncut. Night two, baking soda mixed in. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and that's when do takeovers deliver? Uh, this would be, it's funny, like, I know you really like this. This to me was the first takeover experience that didn't really deliver as a Whoa. takeover experience. You mean just night two or overall? As a takeover experience overall. I, wow. it, normally, takeover's like a laser that's really intense. And I'm this not, is baggy. I'm not going to be that strict. I, no, I, I, I like these shows, but these were baggy in a way that I do not normally associate with ta- takeovers. Yeah, night, I think the two-night thing, I, I like I like having scarcity there. I, I, yes. Just give me five, or, yeah, five strong matches and get me out of there, or four or whatever it is, and get me out of there, as opposed to two nights of five matches, where even on the pre-show I have on this night, too, we have, what, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick against Breezango, which, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> the weird, gimmicky, multi-man match with, with that Reed ends up coming out of, like, was very... That was That's not a takeover. 
That right. Yeah. That was not a takeover level match to me. That was a TV thing. I I agree. I agree in many yeah. ways. Let's uh, yeah. let's go blow yeah. by blow on night two here to start off. All right. So uh, night two, I've got it up here. Is the ends with the unsanctioned match here. We begin with Killian Dane and Drake Maverick defeating Breezango to become the NXT uh, number one contenders for the tag team championship. Meh. <laughs> yeah. Because I think they're teasing the Killian Dane Drake Maverick uh, split still. So. Right. Which is so dumb because they never did anything. It's not like they. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, it's they, not like they, we have an emotional connection. It's like, well, we saw them dance to that wacky music a little bit and they had little comedy gimmicks. And there was that. Okay. There was that one hardcore, this one street fight. Against uh, Legato del Fantasmo. That was pretty damn great that they did. But we have no and, real... And the things with Imperium have been kind of fun, but yeah. Um, yeah. They have... I don't have much to say about that other than that. I, I don't either. I, I mean, it's a damn shame that Tyler Breeze is such a nothing figure on this brand instead of a, like a legacy, yeah. l- constant... Gatekeeper to the title, uh, ever contender for the title. This guy has really been Tito Santana in the WWF. Yes. Yeah, fundamentally mispre- Yep, misrepresented. Uh, it's someone who, who he should have had several North American title reigns by now. Um, Tito should- Santana, Jeez, another old reference. I gotta get it out, Chris. It, it's it's my re- because they haven't had these kinds of guys in a long time. To be honest with you, the no, solid no, they, guys. They, they are they are templates. They're templates that are lost on younger. I mean, I think they're worth studying for a younger listener to understand the template we're talking about. Not necessarily be like well versed in the history, but just to think about like different presentations of like what wrestlers could be. Because right. what you see, promise what? me something. Anytime what? I go off the rails on a historical reference or an arcane thing, you talk in that pro- professorial voice. Well versed in the history. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I. Well, you see, Jeff, it's like, it's like Nigel on on uh, on Prelude, where he's talking about Anglo or oh no, Austrian-Hungarian nineteenth-century history, and I'm like, this is going Beth Phoenix the other way. Shut up, <laughs> Nigel. But please continue. Um, all right, so I, I think that's all I have to say about Maverick and uh, Dane here. You mentioned Actually, Beth. Let, Phoenix. Let's get the oh. com- let's get the commentary criticism out of the way. Yes, real quick here. I I own apology to Percy Watson. <laughs> I was way too hard on him. I I think this could be a solid commentary team, but they are way way overproduced. Wade Barrett at this point is becoming a net negative with his heelish mannerisms and the interplay with Beth. Beth is trying to still fit 50 words in where six will do, and she can never finish a thought because it's written out on her paper and she's reading it all the time. Vic I like, but Vic doesn't have any emotional connection to the stuff he's calling. And and I find that, and it's hard he because he's coming it. after Morrow. He was into this in his first run, but once he got a taste of doing real sports. Yes. I, I hate to say it like that, but like real sports. He was doing like the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, that's legit shit. Um, so he got a taste of that. Now he's back here. This is a paycheck. To your point, Jeff, I think this could be fun. 
Um, but I don't know that maybe Vic and Wade have a ton of chemistry. Um, I think that might be part of it. I think they do. I think they would if you took the sp- the okay. Michael okay. the coaching off. I think. Like, I would I think like to Vic- see that play out then. Yes, I would like to see, you know, if, if all the production staff got sick for a day and they had to come in, how Vic Joseph would call a match. Because I know he's passionate about the biz. Yeah. He trained for a bit. It just it doesn't come out in his commentary for me on a big moment. It sounds like he's just shouting. He's shouting the moment as opposed to being excited about the moment, which was something Morrow could present sometimes to a fault. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. Dude, but Morrow was so good at painting a picture. One of the things that I always do to, like, actually assess commentary. um, I have a holdover from the old job, but it's like, I just think, I like commentary a lot. I think it really adds something to the product. Uh, Is I will turn away from the screen and just listen to the commentary. Now I've seen enough of the match. And see if I can let the commentary actually take me through what is going on on the TV. Like, can, can commentary keep the picture going for me? Can commentary keep the story going for me? Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard Jim Ross criticize, you know, he's Jim Ross when he does these things is sort of like always playing ma- many angles. But, like, he's not wrong when the, the, the idea that you cannot actually listen to the commentary as a product and really have a sense of what's going on on the screen because they don't call holds. They don't call moves. Um, they, the, the issue, too, institutional knowledge-wise now is getting bad enough where the play-by-play guys, the nominal play-by-play guys in this company, don't know the signature moves. Um, sometimes they don't even know the names of the finishing moves. But like they will sometimes not know the name of the signature move. And it's it, uh, that's pretty bad. It's like, you know... People know Baron Corbin's deep six, but those type of moves, the institutional knowledge is starting to get lost in play-by-play guys on that level. It went from, oh, I don't know how to call armbar and northern light suplex to, oh, I don't know what the muscle buster is anymore. Um, this is not yeah, good. Yeah, when they, when they talk in narrative, they're at a weakness. I wish yeah. they would call more holds because what happens is Vic calls a, narr- a narrative – Wade kind of comments a little bit on the narrative with a jokey way. And then here comes Beth with the thematic. <laughs> it's like the. And they're all over talking her while she's trying to get her 80 word. Some cliff notes summation of the theme of this match in. And you're just like, just call the action in the ring. And Beth and Wade should be saying, okay, how does that feel? What is that doing? What's the angle here on the knee or the arm or whatever? And we'd be so much better off. Let's and the cut tone? Off the, yeah. the tone of how you call those holds can go a long way in the service of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, the adjectives you use, you know, uh, so-and-so is ruthlessly putting on that lower Decimating. chin lock. <laughs> don't use don't use decimate uh, or, or or I guess in the WWE parlance use decimate a lot. Um, yes. but like that would be my you know that's my thought on commentary things. Yeah, that's all I got for that. What's what's the next match? I believe the opener next is for this thing. Santos Escobar defeating Jordan Devlin in a ladder match to become the undisputed cruiserweight champion. My match of the night. I there were some there were a couple of weird spots in here like when, when Santos Escobar was just kind of pushing a ladder <laughs> really slow against the corner 
uh, there were a couple, like, he hits a ladder and he doesn't react. And then he, he goes, I corrupt him or something like that. And you're like, that's a little... It's a little delayed. Uh, he had a, that was were, that almost reminded me of something for the Simpsons. Oh, I Cabrone. That's what it was. It was yeah, yeah, Cabrone. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that was very the Simpsons for me. <laughs> like, yeah, like. And then you know there were a couple of issues with the uh, with his selling just a little bit when he was getting punched, but overall, dude, man, if Devlin if he doesn't have a free pass to come back to NXT, he should. Because that dude killed himself for this match. Absolutely slaughtered himself for this match. Especially that last shot with the headbutt, which was kind of missed a little bit by the camera. Uh, I, you know, I don't mind the interference. It's just, I didn't want a night of interference, and that was my fear here. But I did like the moment where he sent them away, where he kind of gives them the thumbs up or the okay sign and sends them on their way. I got this now. Good, good on him. I don't, I don't want you here to, to ruin my moment. I, I want the spotlight. It's, it's a strategic blunder, but it's pure dumb heelishness. But both guys killed themselves on these ladders. I only wanted one ladder. I didn't get it, unfortunately. I had more than one here. But for what it was, phenomenal match from these two. I hope they now get rid of the 205 cruiserweight belt. Combine it with the North American title, because most of these guys are under 205 anyways, and there's no need for a cruiserweight title because nobody cares about the cruiserweights. I know you got a 205 live show. Nobody watches that. Just, just, just combine How the two. How dare you, sir? How dare you, sir? Well, okay, when was the last time you watched 205? Like? Every week. We're li- I never lie. miss a show. I never miss you a lie. show. I love okay. it. I love okay. it. It's, it's the best. What, what's, what's the top angle on that show right now? Um, Billy Bobbitt is... <laughs> Billy Bobbitt? <laughs> is that John Wayne's son? <laughs> yeah, Billy Bobbitt is currently... Well, at, uh, le- at least try and li- lie and tell me that the, 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 the Bali Rise tag team yeah, yeah, between yeah. Ever Rise and the Bollywood boys is going, yeah, just get rid of that title. Uh, but overall, I really like this match a lot. Yeah. I enjoyed this match a lot as well. Uh, Two issues for me in this match. The goal of this match was effectively kind of like not quite a a double turn thing because we're keeping Escobar heel. But we're elevating Escobar and giving him a little bit more prestige. And we also want to elevate Devlin at the same time here. At least I think. Um, It's kind of hard. It's... Hard to tell because of the way they shot NXT UK night one yeah. prelude. Yeah, yeah, like, like it makes it makes all the narrative stuff around Devlin. So that's like a third issue. I'm not gonna lay that at the door of this match. They they build him up as the Irish Ace on NXT Prelude, and they come in and <laughs> and, and what you see he's a heel on Prelude, and now he's a babyface. So yeah, 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 no, and and you see him on there after he's already lost. No, it's it's a mess. Um, but Escobar sending away all of his dudes. I know it's obvious, but doing that should have been the strategic blunder that leads to Devlin winning. That's one way of kind of solidifying Devlin's babyface turn. Or, if you are going to have Devlin lose, I think it is very important in the end of the match to linger on Devlin and focus in on Devlin feeling disgusted with himself, 
frustrated because the Irish ace thing is not just like a hype game. It's the way he honestly feels about himself. But in this case, Devlin got less lingering time than Josh Morell did on NXT UK a couple <laughs> of weeks ago on TV because we had to cut to Escobar and his kid at the top of the ramp. Don't get me wrong. I love Santos Escobar as a fan of El Hijo del Fantasma. Um, and knowing that he's a multi-generational wrestler, it is exciting to see that the legacy continues. However, in that particular moment, the camera needed to be focused on Jordan Devlin and Jordan Devlin's internal struggles because we already got the moment of prestige for Santos Escobar. So him at the top of the ramp was not actually adding anything to his story, and it was taking it away from Jordan Devlin. Yeah, uh, that's the other thing I want. Both Devlin and uh, Santos Escobar on their on their intros look like a million damn dollars, and you know you go, please don't ever go to the main roster, <laughs> don't ever go to the main roster because they won't have any clue what to do with you after the Andre. Because they also oh, made no, Andrade they'll know what to like do with Logan Del Fantasma. They'll have them chasing after that twenty four seven title. We could, you know, who'd be a good feud for them? The Lucha House Lucha party. House Party. Yep, <laughs> I I can tell you that I would put money on that. I I you give me odds on that. I I bet they've that. already kind of done it. They did it in the uh, Dusty yes. Classic. So, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, next up. Next up after that, uh, we have uh, MSK backstage interviewed about their tag team victory from night one. <laughs> Uh, they These are guys are one, dweebs. They are one promo away from getting... This was my joke. They are one promo away from getting skateboards and frisbees to throw at the crowd. This this promo... Uh, sit them... Okay, here we go. Arcane reference. Get, get your professorial voice. Sit them down and have them watch every single terrible Rock and Roll Express promo. Every single babyface team from 80s and 90s wrestling. And how you're do- not for the WWE or NXT universe. We're here for the fans. You know, we're here for the screaming girls. We're here for this is the you know, Jericho whatever. and Lance Storm uh, promos from Smoky Mountain. The thrill, thrill seekers. seekers. These yes. guys are like the 2021 thrill seekers. Well versed in the history. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, these are the 2021 version of the Thrill Seekers, and and those those promos are funny as hell. But they're funny as hell almost because Cornette and Storm and Jericho know their those videos are kitschy, and like they, they, they're me, all in on the joke. Give me MSK doing cool things, not just like parkour, but you know skateboarding. If you want, whatever, whatever. No, they really do have like Bart Simpson when they were making Bart Simpson a piece of marketing merchandise. They made sort of energy. license plates. Yeah. <laughs> just, but yes, just, just don't have a cow, man. Just something cool as opposed to, hey, man, we're the world. They, they're going to be Ninja Turtles. They're going to be Ninja Turtles. On the yeah. Roster. Dude. <laughs> I say do something cool, but then they end up like. <laughs> I can't wait for them <laughs> to hang out ideas? with Matt Riddle. Smoking weed and yeah. <laughs> oh god, Matt, they, yes, they hang out with Matt Riddle. Oh, and Riddle has they're all like riding scooters and birds are flying out of their feet. And MSK stands for Matt Riddle Scooter Kids. <laughs> Matt Scooter Kids, even though they've dropped the Matt from Riddle, 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, just just have them looking like twenty somethings that they are doing something. <laughs> twenty. <laughs> Jeff doesn't know what twenty somethings do, so don't don't talk to old man Hawkins about it. Go. Film something yet so that some younger people under fifty start liking wrestling, please. No, and this does just... this does look like if you ask me what do I think a twenty something these days do, and I'd be like, I don't know, they like the the dubstep or something they like, like the that. They like the yeah. Twitter and their they're video on games. Twitter and they love they're dubstep. Twitch. They're always twitching. Twitch. <laughs> on Twitch just to give a big f you to all the talent that they took money away from. Uh, no, just, just they, they love talent. Yeah. <laughs> yes, as opposed to we're so happy to be in WWE. We're so happy to be working for the man. Come on. This know is actually audience. the exact type of team that Dane and Maverick should be able to overcome. Um, they maybe would have to turn heel to do so. They're not going to. They're going to lose. No. But yeah, but this is like th- these guys. I don't take them seriously still. I think the build on these guys has been very mediocre at best. Next match. Shotzi, Blackheart, and Ember Moon defeat the way Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell to retain the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. When I am talking about not quite up to my takeover standards, um, the double album filler matches, this is definitely one of those matches I'd be putting on that list. Shotzi decides to go crazy on takeovers, and that can be hit or miss. That dive was insane. But boy, she landed flush at the end on Indy, and Indy did not like taking all that weight. You can see here. I, I, before the match started, I thought this was going to be a test for Indy Hartwell a little bit. I've seen her some on the Indies. She hasn't really had a quote-unquote long takeover match, but mostly this was, this was Candice and... Ember doing most of the heavy lifting here. The double eclipse spot did not look good, in my opinion. Uh, I thought the match was fine, though. It, it didn't offend me in any way. It was just one of those things where it's like, okay, here, here's a bunch of pre-planned. I mean, it was, you know, it was a paint-by-numbers tag team match in the women's division these days, which is here's this set piece, here's this set piece, here's this set piece. So you got the foregone conclusion thing working against this. You have the set piece thing working against this match. You have the keeping it real here. Indy and Shotzi are, they're not Bailey. They're not Sasha Banks. Um, they're not Becky Lynch. They're we not had a Shirley. tower of doom spot. <laughs> yeah. You have the obligatory tower of doom spot. I just like, I like, I like Ember a lot. I actually, and I think yeah. Kate is fantastic too. So like, like I, I'm making sure I, I kind of put them in a different category here. Um, Shotzi and Indy. I think both of them have a place like on a show like this. Um, but the work is, Indy has a lot of upside. Let's put it that way. She is yeah. sneaky, tall, I, say, I, mean, I feel the same way about Shotzi, though. I think yeah. underneath underneath all the chaos is, like, a refined version of that that actually is a, quite a product. Like, the, the Scorpion. she's improved. She's improved. And she has improved. I, but, but I, I mean, I think she still needs a, a, a trip to the editor's room, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. to tie to, she is a double album that needs to be edited down to a single album. She's a... Uh, She's not the Clash's London Calling. She's the Clash's Combat Rock. Uh, or, or, I'm sorry, Sandinista. Sandinista, which is, like, okay, but, like, is way, 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 way too long. It's, like, not good at that length. 
<laughs> well versed in the history. Well, oh no, now I'm looking. Now I'm looking up double albums so I can make more references. That's yeah, gonna right. be great. No, no, I, I, we've got some good double albums in the mix here. Lamb lies down on Broadway. Tusk, Chicago Three, Sandinista. Uh, I wouldn't put like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness in there because I think Disc Two is pretty good. Um, I may, and that's actually probably a decent. That's a fair comp to this. Uh, these two nights here, but that's a next diff- match. All right, fine. <laughs> Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed, another one of these double album filler matches. Oh, did not. This was not my jam. And having Gable Stevenson to watch this one, dude, he was just hitting him in the gunt. And I didn't say gut. I said gunt. And this was this was not pleasant to watch for me. Nope. It, 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 it's almost like they were mocking Bronson Reed for being fat. Yeah. It, it was a stupid swerve. Uh, not Swerve Scott. I like Swerve Scott. Uh, a, a stupid swerve on night one in a not good match on night one to get us to this not good match on night two. And though I do not vibe on the Dexter Loomis and the way angle, I think it is overstayed. It's welcome. It also needs narrative conclusion. And I would love it if we could just get this thing finished off. Indy Hartwell has a thing for Dexter Loomis. They keep teasing it. It's got to get paid off. Just go ahead and do it already, please. So that we can move on with our lives and the way Ann Loomis can go and do something else at this point. And instead, we got treated to this match. And I feel bad for Bronson Reed because, to your point, I do think they like to punchline this dude in a way. Um, and He's a thick boy. Yes. And I don't think it's I don't think it's gotten him anywhere. He's a guy who he needed to win this North American title at some point down the road here. When they repackaged him and regave him the like you know thick boy and the earthquaking as he walks to the ring stuff, like he needed to have a monster push. Yeah, and let's let's injure another body part if we're gonna do that story, as opposed to his gut where he's holding his gut all night, and you're just like, come on, man. I mean, if you're going to do the injury, okay, he injured his arm in night one, and then Gargano can work on that. Oh, yeah, that gets us to the finish where where Bronson Reed, like an absolute idiot, so the entire time he is holding his guns because it has been worked over. So he decides that he needs to climb the top rope and finish Mm -hmm. off with a moonsault. Um, like normally, okay. So they call them high risk maneuvers getting all wrestling psychology here. They call them high risk maneuvers with the implication being that if you are fully healthy, um, even in a fully healthy state, going off the top rope to do a diving headbutt or to do a frog splash or a guillotine leg drop implies some degree of pain to you, the deliver of it, which you are trading off for maximum damage onto your target on the ground here. When you are injured, Going off the top rope to do it is like at best a one-to-one trade-off where I am willing to hurt myself as much as you, and at which point the risk becomes not worth it, um, like, more or less. And so, like, this made Bronson Reed seem really stupid because he shouldn't have been not not Braun Strowman levels of stupid, mind you, but but like on the Braun Strowman level of stupid spectrum, going off the top rope, doing you know a moon salt and injuring his gut, which then opens up Gargano to hit him with one final beat. Like Gargano didn't do a lot of cheating in this match to win this match. And so that's really what kills Bronson Reed. Although, like, even if Gargano had cheated a lot to get through this match, Reed's a pretty cold product. He needed to probably win. We'd hate that too, though. If, if yeah, no, I know. So much that, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, so, like, no, Reed was in an impossible position here 
Um, and I feel bad for the, this is a guy who I actually hope does get moved up to the main roster because at this point, I think his prospects are better on the main roster than they are down here. And I'm not saying they're great on the main roster. I'm just saying they're basically dead in the water down here. It was fine as a match. It's just the story they told wasn't my thing. Get him over at NXT UK. Let's see him on a more normal NXT product. I wouldn't mind that. To be honest, yeah. he, you know, with the Australian connection, he'd probably yep. be good over there. Yeah. And, you know, he's not tall, per se. He's big, but, he, you know, he's kind of that rhino type. Let, let I me, think, I, him versus Joe Coffey. I'm here for let it. Me, Coffee Brothers, uh, Rampage Brown. Yep. Uh, Dave Mastiff. Oh, I'm, I'm lightning, here for Joe, lightning for Jonah Rock yeah. and Dave Ma- or, or Bronson Reed and, and, and Dave Mastiff. Please yeah. give me that. Yeah. Uh, ne- Next match. Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor. Um, this is where this is a good example for me. I, I'll go first here. Where I felt like the commentary, because this is gonna be a different point than you were gonna make, I'm certain. Commentary did a very bad job putting over what the story of this match was. The story of this match was that Finn Balor made a strategic calculation here that he could get into Karrion Cross's head, piss him off. And in making him angry, make him make a mistake. And that was a mistake on Finn Bauer's part because he was not able to take the heat in the kitchen here. Um, and I think that th- if that story had been made more clear, this works much better as a match. Um, but because that story was not really getting spelled out explicitly, it made the view like... So I- I, it took me a while for me to say, I'm like, oh, I see what's actually going on here. Okay. And I kind of liked it once I got what was going on, but I was not satisfied for a while during the watching experience of this match. Yeah, it's weird to do a match with cocky Finn Balor when you've never seen cocky Finn Balor before. Yes. Where he's laughing off things, where he's trolling him by putting makeup on his shoulder to say, this is what you want to go after. Just, I mean, it's, it was so out of character, it threw me off. Another problem with this too, sorry, uh, Scarlet, the whole Scarlet, no, the whole Scarlet part of this angle is that Scarlet is manipulating Karrion Cross. that the bump that happened uh, outside the ring in that match with Balor and Scarlet um, and Karrion Cross. that Scarlet knew exactly what she was walking herself into the line of, and she was doing that as a manipulative move on Karrion Cross. That has very much been the cloud that has been hanging over this whole angle. And to have Balor here doing the laughing thing as you're getting into, it undermines that important beat in this story as well. Once it got to grappling, though, I dug it. Once it got past, I mean, yeah, you couldn't get past the commentary telling the story. And, you know, I'm I'm a little bit relieved there wasn't as much of Scarlet as I thought there would be in this match. And, you know, once he started throwing Finn around, it became kind of fun to watch. But, yeah. <laughs> See, I think Balor needed to have a better regroup. So yes. I, I think that th- there are other issues with this match. I like Maybe even the- concern. Maybe yes. even a look of concern. Yes. That no, he rolls out of the work. ring. Yes. He goes to the, he goes to the top. Like uh, 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 he walks away from the ring, refocuses himself. Goes okay. 
that was dumb. This isn't working. Um, I need to do something else. And then have him go back in and get completely overwhelmed again. But he's a champion. And he's a been there before champion. Um, mm-hmm. Which is his whole swagger. That's a story. Of the, that's a story. Yeah. So he really should have been stopping and having that regroup. I'm with you on one part of me, of course, likes Scarlet not being more involved in this match. Another part of me goes, uh, Scarlet's the whole engine that drives the car. So what Scarlet wants is what Carrion wants. So she does need to be involved in this match on some level. She had a moment after the win where it was like voice of an angel. or A voice came out of her that sounded like... A 68-year-old Waffle House waitress who smokes three packs a day. And I just went, whoa, <laughs> what was that? Uh, yeah, I, I just... To me, Finn Balor is one of the stronger champions across all the brands because of the been there, done that thing. Yeah. And if you shake that to the core where it's like, okay, I'm in deep water now. Actually, you know what? That's the funny thing is this whole thing was I'm going to get him to deep water and that's where he's not going to know what he's doing. And that's what happened to him, but he never showed it either. No, and we really need to have that moment. And that's where commentary, when Finn Bauer is standing at the top of the ramp here and regrouping, that's where you have Vic and Wade going, Finn Bauer said that he was going to put Karrion Cross into the deep water, but now Finn Bauer is the one who's in deep water. What will the champion do now? Like, it really... That's not hitting people over the head with it either. That's really kind of spelling out, laying out what this scene is in, in a nice way here. And then that ultimately makes Karrion Cross overcoming um, Finn Balor on the regroup even more impressive. Because you're getting Finn Balor's second strike, his second gear, and even that's not enough. What, what are you say, laughing about over here? Say the line again. Well-versed in the history. No, 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 or, no, 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 oh. no. Say, 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 say the line about uh, being in deep water. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Finn Balor said that he was going to take Karrion Cross into the deep water, but now Finn Balor's in the deep water. What will the champ do now? He's really swimming with sharks, like in Jaws, like the time I was on the USS Indianapolis. And the ship went down. <laughs> I've been a champion many times over, Beth, and I root for the shark every time I watch Jaws. Show me the way to go home. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you, you, you Sorry, need, okay. Yeah, no, all right, little NXT theater. Uh, we haven't even got a chance uh. to talk yet about my new favorite commentary genius uh, on the mic, Velvet Sky. This no, national treasure no, no, don't, doing wonderful things week. over there on NXT Power. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, NWA, NWA Power. Power. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but a quick. All right, next match. Well, real quickly, though, finish out on Cross. Cross, um, as champion, my other knock on this is that the Balor-O'Reilly angle is the much more interesting, completed storyline here than O'Reilly versus Karrion Cross. Yes, yeah. O'Reilly versus Karrion Cross is a much clearer heel babyface dynamic. Um, it, it will be very easy and clear who to cheer for. However, I think O'Reilly needs to beat Balor for the championship, not just beat Balor along the way to the championship, beat Balor for the belt to get the respect of Balor, the nod of Balor. And when Balor takes the makeoff off and spreads it onto O'Reilly, it means something different. Like you really are the champion now here um, versus beating Karrion Cross. I, I, I mean, it will be cool. I'm here for O'Reilly to beat Cross. I'm worried that he won't, but I'm here for him too. 
Uh, but I don't think it has the same narrative satisfaction. I agree. I think we get the demon at some point against Cross as well, and the Cross beats the demon. Yeah, right. Uh, for that first loss. But yeah, I mean, I think we've said all we can say about this. There was there was a story to be told, and they missed it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we get to Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole in an unsanctioned match. Woo, Nelly. Now, here, other matches that I have been critical of of not meeting that takeover standard, this is not one of them. This was definitely up to it. I thought these guys brought it. This match was great, but I have one major, major, major gripe with it. Go for it. And here it is. They have to get into this room, and when they're painted into a corner, think of something better than a ref bump in this. Because this referee was getting his moment, and he was getting a little bit too much of this moment, if you ask me. These are two men in a blood feud who have both agreed. They have agreed, Chris, to be in an unsanctioned match. And this is where I want more story continuity, and I want you to play by the rules that you set for your world. That's all I ask for. I don't ask for deus ex machinas. I don't ask for convoluted storytelling the ref was saying want, stuff like you're going too far oh you're you going too far this is you sure you want to do this match this is an unsanctioned exactly like no i that you that you've jogged my memory we watched a lot of wrestling here over the two nights that was my one big complaint on this otherwise shut the up. work the work was good um and if the ref had just shut the hell up and like if you i mean honestly if you made an edit of this where the ref is just on mute um, and you can't hear him while you're watching the other two guys work. It, it it's match of the year. It's yeah, it's match of bad. the year if you put that It's just stupid. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I'm watching this and going, okay, one time is great. He's now done this three times. And even I'm rooting. I mean, when they said you deserved it to the ref. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, granted, on one level, to, to I, I will fan scold. With limited fans here, y'all, Especially because it's Kyle O'Reilly and we are trying to push Kyle O'Reilly as the baby face. Y'all go with the program here. But because um, they were starting to cheer Adam Cole more than Kyle O'Reilly, um, which I don't think is right, good or constructive. Because, you know, like, look, O'Reilly's a great worker um, and deserves every. It's not respectful to be as O'Reilly's out there and working his ass off to be booing him um, and cheering Adam Cole, ironically. I think is very disrespectful to work in this match. That said, the ref, uh, the you deserve it's for the ref. Yeah, no, he was like actively distracting from the I match. I was the same way. I was yeah, like, I'd yeah. punch him too. Yeah. The thing is, here's the here's the easy way out. Quickest way. Ref counts two. Cole gets mad at him and just slugs him because it's unsanctioned. And he's shown he's going to slug. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Officials, anyways, because he slugged William Regal. We oh, had the cops to... involved in this yes. angle. We, the, the law was involved, uh, and, and a real-world presentation of the law at that uh, was involved in this angle. So, like, yeah, no, this referee was really overbearing. I, and, and Grant, this referee was mostly just doing what his job was. I'm sure the direction to him was, all right, I need you to put over the drama by saying, by acting like this is going too far. It just absolutely does not work in an unsanctioned, lights-out, what have you sort of match in a street fight. There is no such thing as too far. That's why they're having a street fight. Yeah. So that'll end night two. Chris, get NXT UK ready. While I shout out our second sponsor, Manscaped sport for shake them ropes is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over this technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code ROPES at manscaped.com. If you saw me on the video, I'm fidgeting over here. They have sent us product. This is the Manscaped 3.0. Ooh, there's the LED light right there. Oh my god! Coming and whatnot. Yeah, I I right. could I can laser guide that thing to wherever it needs to go. <laughs> I may need laser guys. I am a hairy hairy. That's man, like a no, sniper they... rifle for the undercarriage. But let me show you some of the product they gave us. They gave us a box right here. I know this is audio, so you can't see it if you're listening. But if you're watching, you can. But I will describe. You know, we have some boxer shorts here. We have a care kit. We have a 
travel kit under here. We have the crop preserver ball deodorant for the smelliest part of your body. You know, duck butter does not smell good, Chris, at all. You, you, and, all right, all right. Let, real, real talk for the men here, and apologies to the ladies. Look, hold on, hold on. Earmuffs for the kids. For and the earmuffs for the kids so. here. Um, it, it, it's not a problem that affects every man, but I think some of you all know um, when you if you've got a powerful must down there, and this stuff really does. Like I try to. It's not like been a personal problem of mine, but like we got it, and I said, you know, I'll try it out. Um. It actually feels good, and it does, like, do a meaningful job uh, curtailing the smell and keeping, you know, eventually, for at least for me, Hawkins, what determines when I need to take a shower is when things start going south in the manscaped area, shall we say. Like, you know, that's the first place to go where I'm not feeling uh, shower fresh anymore. Um, and the crop preserver does a good job balancing out things to where... Uh, all things age normally. And then the Reviver helps prevent it as well. You know, the product, you know, with the Crop Preserver, it keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. Manscaped also threw in two free gifts into their perfect package, which we got. A pair of high-performance Manscaped boxers, which are quite good. I also have a pair of here. I did not get the T-shirt this time. But I have the pair of performance boxer briefs. They'll keep your junk fresh all day and a travel shed bag to store all your grooming goodies. I have it here beneath the bag, along with, I believe this is a, just a t-shirt or a, no, this is, oh, I did get a t-shirt. got a t-shirt with Manscaped on it. All good. Go out there and trim that junk yours. Right now, get 20% off with free shipping with the code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code ROPES at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. Humming with Manscaped. There's Sniper that laser. Sniper laser. Real quickly, uh, parents, now look at your kids before you take off the earmuffs. Mouth at them. We're going to Disneyland. And then take <laughs> off the earmuffs. <laughs> yeah, so now for the palate cleanser. A nice little prelude to night two, I thought. NXT UK prelude. Solid but not spectacular NXT UK hour. But the matches that they had on here were quite good, I thought, Chris. Let's go through the rundown. This continues to be the trend with NXT UK. Uh, the show which for some is imaginary. Um, and for others, if you are looking for an extra hour of wrestling that is like a tight, no-filler is it a little WWE the booking flavor? Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, but like largely, it's these are straight ahead angles. This is the way this is the way NXT used to be. Um, this yeah, this was a predictable show. Our main event was predictable, but it was a fun show. I thought so. We started off with uh, this was actually a surprise for me. Tyler be be beats Gnome Dar. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I was surprised by that. An A kid starts us off with just another one of these dynamic. Uh, like the world on fire, a kid yeah. promos where he looks at Gnome Dar and Tyler Bate before this match, which is a total heel move. So I don't know if maybe maybe a kid's going heel here, or if maybe he's just got no charisma. Um, but he tells Gnome Dar and Tyler Bate standing in the ring that the cup means a lot to him, and he will be watching this match. And then Come the match on, sell begins. Sell it, man. That's what I. I... He might be one of those guys where it's just heel charisma is easier for him than babyface charisma. And there are those people that are like that. Where they're not no, I think the emotional detachment thing 
for a Heritage Cup would actually be awesome. This guy from Spain who very clearly does not actually care about, like, the British Wrestling Cup. Um, Screw you, UK types. I'm from a real European country. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, just, I, I mean, well, because they did, they presented it as the UK Heritage Cup. Like, like, yes. So, so there really should be a bit of, like, detachment for him as a kid. Um, so I, I, I like think that that would work a little bit better, especially now that you have big, strong boy, Tyler Bate, Zen master, um, chase. There's so many different things going on with this dude's character at this point. He's kind of a mess. He's, <laughs> he's a bit of a double album himself. Isn't how, he? how do you miss on Tyler Bate? You turn him into a double him album. Hottest, hottest baby face after that NXT UK thing. He comes over to the States for a quick two-week run on 205, and I believe he was on SmackDown in a tag match, and yep. the people love him. He comes over to NXT UK, or NXT Normal with Trent. They put on maybe the match of the year in terms of that tag team match, and then and then you get him all mixed up in character crap, and you're just like, he's out there sitting around because they're not doing anything with him, getting more the, tattoos. The look is not, yeah, the look is not where it needs to be. The tattoos didn't help. I'm coming around on the long hair. It's not my first choice for him. I he like to be a big, strong man right now as I, opposed I, to a big, strong I, boy. I like him with the long hair, seeing him alongside Trent Seven and seeing them as like big brother, little brother. Um, okay. This, this is the first week where it really clicked for me, though. Uh, uh, in previous times, especially prior to him being aligned again with Trent Seven, the long hair look absolutely doesn't work for me. Um, I want him to be a baby face. I want him to be the big, strong boy. Um, I, I want him to, you know, I, like look like the good-natured young man, you know, a little bit of a Dudley Do-Right thing going on, uh, well-versed in the history. Uh, yeah, you I'm know. fine with straight-ahead baby faces. Yeah. I want more yeah. of them because there aren't any. Especially there aren't if, any because anymore. they keep wanting to book them against guys like Gnome Dar, who are chicken-shit heels. And Shaw Samuels is only that, like, it's that on Overdrive. Shaw and Gnome are like the... Uh, Waluigi and Wario to Bait and Seven's Mario and Luigi. Um, and that is the way this needs to be playing out. And every step that Bait takes away from the Mario Luigi casting um, to this like weird, confused uh, Dow Master, uh, like it, it is. I, I think it's a step in the wrong direction. This is a fine match. The British rules format. I don't necessarily know lights my world on fire. It is it is a format that is very just there for me at this point. Yeah, I am I'm it's okay for storytelling, but you yeah. gotta be telling compel you gotta tell a compelling story every time. Every time. I liked this match. It was fine. It was well worked. I'm looking very forward to an A Kid Tyler Bate rematch. That's gonna be a fun ride. But yeah, the Shaw Samuel and Trent Seven they're not really coaching either. Come on, man, it's for the Heritage Cup. That's about the that's about the extent. They were really corner manning it. Yeah, like no, yeah. there's there's just a lot of. I, I'm with you. I like in theory. I like the idea of the three minute rounds thing as a narrative device structure to tell different stories. But you have to really think out what these yes. matches are going to be round by round. Each round needs to be a chapter in a story and a chapter. You have to it, sit down and you have to deconstruct it and you have to deconstruct it again. And you have to plot out, and this takes a level of detail that I don't think that they're getting over there. <laughs> and, and, and and to remind everyone, with it, like, you know, 
what's great about this one minute downbeat thing too is you can remind Dar and Bait and the participants what needs to happen in this next little three minute stint. This should actually be a really fun way, uh, even in an improvised sort of match, a fun little way of improvising how this match goes along because the quartermen can sort of like be the prompters to the two men in the ring who are doing the three minutes of action. There's a lot of potential in this format. It's still not clicking for me though. Next match. Mako Satamora and Amelia McKenzie beat Kaylee Ray and Isla Dawn. Uh, she was the White Witch, Jeff. Now she's the Black Witch. <laughs> uh, this match was did what it was supposed to do, but it wasn't anything spectacular. Um, I love I love all the participants, save for one. Uh, it got it got Amelia McKenzie over as the next new hot baby face. Isla Dawn died a death, which she was supposed to do. Kaylee Ray is, of course, the uh, swarmy and yet talented heel here, despite the former babyface Bush. She's suffering and from bucksitis from me, for me. A little bit, a little bit. I, <laughs> I do not understand now. A, uh, Ava Valkyrie is now a heel, I guess, which is news to me because you usually don't give an undefeated streak to someone who's not a monster necessarily, and she is not a monster. And she was being pushed face. as a baby face during yes. that undefeated streak. There have been teases of healness, so it's not an absolute shocker. However, like she also didn't really do heelish things other than juxtapose herself to Mako Satamora. So she pulled out a feather. She, she pulled out a feather and they kept was, on focusing on it, Mako. It, it, it was a pretty dickish pulling out of the feather. That's a good point. They could they could have they could have focused on any other person. I would have bought it too. So yeah, yeah, you know, it was, like, that was all camera tricks that she's out there for Mako. Yeah, uh, you know if if Mako can make her better, I'm for it because I know Triple H is really high on her, like really high on uh, Ava Ava Valkyrie. I would have I had kind of love for Mako and Kaylee Ray to have a run in the States here. doesn't matter which promotion, because I can think of stories for both of them and either. But yeah, it's your basic tag match, and and I like three of the four of these women, so, you know, I'm good with this. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was fine. I mean, I think maybe they could have done a better job in this match spotlighting and showcasing Amelia McKenzie. Kind of, yeah. It, it, again, in impossible position because I think Mackenzie has just been hot shotted a little too quickly here in the reintroduction. Uh, I think that she needed a few weeks of enhancement matches against the uh, Amels of the world and uh, the French Hope. Uh, and yeah, I just think that. But I think it will settle in. I, Kaylee Ray suffering from bucksitis is a thing that stinks for me. I, I was really ready to get into her as you know. Like, what I love about NXT UK, y'all, is that, like, both Walter and Kaylee Ray are these, like, strong brands as champions um, because they've been so long-running. And, like, yeah, they're heel-ish, they, and they are heels, but they also just have a gravitas and a certain weight to them. And in, in, in recent weeks here, really in the last, like, three months, there's been just a little bit of shakiness with Kaylee Ray. That's been very unfortunate because uh, she's been kicking a lot of ass. She was getting a lot of Stone Cold vibes there a little bit on that build against Ginny yeah. and Piper where she's just an, I'm going to beat anybody's ass who comes after me. And then 
Yeah. Uh, and then this last match uh, sold me on Rampage Brown. I have not been high on him. I loved him in this match in a yeah. different time and place where, Chris, now you can give the professorial voice. Well, first in the history. Thank you. Yes. In an 80s territory, this guy would be so much money, you wouldn't know what to do with him. He has that grizzled kind of, you know, weathered look. He's bald. He has body hair. He ain't clean cut. He's a big guy who can move. Him versus like Nikita Koloff would have been a hot little angle. He could have been Nikita Koloff. Sure. Sure. I mean, you know, whatever. He'd he'd be money. And he was great here. I like this match a lot. Walter is always great. He's always going to deliver, but it was Rampage Brown as underdog babyface that really, really opened my eyes. I did not think I'd like this match as much as I did, but I did. Yeah, I, I mean, my only criticism of this match is, like, one, Walter always finds a way to take whatever the plot is and, and enhance it a little bit with with his selling, um, largely. Uh, with the exception of the match that we'll talk about next with him on TakeOver, I thought the hand-selling was uh, kind of inconsistent there. Um, but I, I think Walter at the end of matches does a really good job showing the proper level of respect to um, his opponent and, and gets over their formidability um, so that a match with Walter means something. Um, and that a loss to Walter can still be an elevating device. And Walter is very, very cognizant of always doing that with whoever he's working with it's it's super great to see um i was wish- a heel but he's not but he's not a vindictive one he's a guy who cares about wrestling and if you go toe-to-toe with him he kind of gives you the head nod afterwards i dig that about him and that elevates those people um really the, the only like i wish that this had had more intrigue and build um i wish that like they had uh put a little more effort into making Rampage, old man Rampage Brown beating young man Walter. Uh, like, if they had really kind of built this up more, I think you could have built to a really white hot spot in the middle of that match where Rampage is firing up for one last Rampage on Walter, one last old man dash on Walter, and Walter has to finally overcome him and like make it really poignant um, that like Rampage's time is up and Walter's time is now. Mm hmm. But overall, solid hour. Oh, a uh, fun match. Man, no, and Rampage is great. Uh, I was joking about Tommaso Ciampa versus Rampage Brown. That'd still be a pretty fun match to see. I wouldn't mind watching that, too. I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind Ciampa taking a trip overseas, fighting uh, the Gallus boys, fighting. Yeah. Send him fun. Send him and uh, Thick Boy over here. And Thick Boy, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now the main event, night one. An absolutely fantastic night, in my opinion. If, it, if this had just been a one-night takeover, we'd put it in that upper tier of NXTs, in my opinion. That's yeah. how much I liked it. I don't know if Chris agrees with that or not. Mm, that gauntlet eliminator, I don't know. I don't, I don't, oh, that's that's true. Uh, second tier. Se- definite yeah, second tier, though. Yeah, second yeah, tier. second tier, second tier, second tier. Because, you know, the, the early NXTs always had that Bull Dempsey versus Baron Corbin Slobberknocker we'd all been waiting for or they you know, really did build up to a Bull Dempsey versus Baron Corbin match and they made that feel like hot shit they did 
<laughs> and then they made Bull Dempsey fat. So that's what you have to look forward to, thick boy. All right, Prozirate. Yeah, yeah. Get, get out of NXT, homie. <laughs> Move on. Um, But uh, the pre-match was intriguing to me. As Zoe Stark defeats Tony Storm. I don't know if Storm's going up. I don't know if she's going back to the UK. This was at least an interesting call because when she came in with such fanfare, she was championship material. And now she's putting over the Shawn Michaels trainee, which it was. Tony came in with Ember Moon. There was that weird stepping on each other's toes Mm -hmm. thing when they both redebuted. Zoe needed a signature win, so on one hand, Zoe beating Tony Storm is not a bad thing. I don't like it on a pre-show because this is no, really, not on a pre-show. That's not no, a signature win on a no, pre-show. No, but I think you this can't be- access the pre-show on the actual NXT. Let, let me you put it to you this way: Why am I watching this crap satchel of the uh, the Gauntlet Eliminator when I really should be watching Zoe Stark get fifteen minutes? against Tony Storm where she overcomes so that we start building to Raquel Gonzalez versus Zoe Stark, which is kind of where NXT is teasing us is where this, these are the stars of tomorrow on this brand, which I think is a positive step, but I need to see Zoe winning on the actual main product. And I didn't necessarily need to see the gauntlet eliminator. Yeah. The shame about pre-show matches is if you get a great one, you can never find it on the actual card anymore. And, they ever put me in charge of Peacock? <laughs> All this happening. There's another. Uh, there's there's another one that's been lost in the ether. I forget what it is. I know it involves the heavenly bodies, <laughs> which makes me old. But uh, yeah, it, it's just a shame when when you get such a fun match, or at least something that makes somebody a star, and then then you can never find that match again because it's on some pre-show lost to the ether of history or ether of history. Yeah, I just and I just and, like and that to that thing. point, because of the way the pre-shows get lost to history, which story matters more? Is it the Gauntlet Eliminator match that's literally part one of a two-part story over two nights? Yup. <laughs> or is it Zoe? St- Thank you, Eli Drake. Um, or it, I'm sorry, oh, La Knight. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great, I'm, uh, great improvement on your name there, Eli. Um, or is it Zoe, the star of tomorrow, the baby face of tomorrow for this brand? Um, who, like, yeah, I know we called her the Shawn Michaels trainee earlier, but like, she's got a ton, a ton of upside, and I like Tony oh, Storm. Yeah. A, yeah, I like Tony Storm a lot too. But Zoe Stark really is Chris, a very. I only, Chris, I only called her the Shawn Michaels trainee to avoid calling her the Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that just shows uh, how, um, oh, what's the term for it? Well-versed in the history. Well-versed in the history of wrestling history. Yes. I do declare. But yeah, no, it would have done, it would have done Zoe Stark much more better to have just the quick opener here, but I know they like the hot opener and then give her the cool down. She could be the cool down if you wanted to. I'm fine with that too. But I actually think uh, she'd be better served in the hot. So to that point, going back to the formatting of this, I think she would have been better served in this opening slot where Pete Dunne and Kushida niched in because what's important here, it's supposed to be a hot match. We want to get someone over. So Zoe Stark's winning the hot opener, I think probably does more impact wise than Pete Dunne, a known quantity beating the red hot Kushida 
who who is just on lighting the world on fire coming into this match. Sky's the limit for this guy. Um, like as in they're going to catapult him into outer space eventually. Uh, but yeah, no, like th- which was a fine match. But it also okay. So you elevated carry or you elevated Pete Dunn. Poor Qua. He's he going to go up against Johnny Gargano? Or is he going to go up against Karrion Cross? Like, I don't see the point in giving Pete Dunne this big win on TakeOver because there is no big singles contention for him in the next four weeks. This screams of, we have two wrestlers people like, let's have them have a match. Well, we need to think of a reason. Well, he hold, held his arm in an over-the-top battle royal. But nobody thought... Pete Dunne was going to lose this, and nobody cares about Kushida, and I love Kushida. This was a mistake coming to NXT. We knew that coming in. And they they treat him well for the first few matches, and then now it's just like, God, we're going to get that video again. <laughs> you know the video they always show when they're going to reboot Kushida, about him talking about his family, and then speaking, it's just, it's sad. I mean, I'm glad that he just... lost to the bitter end and not to a submission hold. That protects him a little bit. Um, yeah. But, but like, he is a submission specialist. So, like, when Dunn's going up against submission specialist Kushida, Dunn really needs to be getting taken to the limit and fighting himself in a hold-for-hold, counter-for-counter, war-of-attrition chess match versus what this was, which was, like, a little bit more well-rounded, a little more strikey. And, like, I, I just think you have to really get over... If if you must have Dunn and Kushida match, you really do have to get over Kushida's prowess in submissions, and they didn't do a good job for that. In a vacuum, a very good match. Yeah. As an angle or booking-wise, they needed to fill some holes. But, you know, if you're just watching the match, having never watched NXT TV, which I might suggest, <laughs> I want NXT to stop doing storytelling and just do takeovers. Every three months, and we'll be fine. I, I would rather uh, have them do angles that start on shows and then continue. Yeah, so you have a match end, and it's like you have someone come out the ramp, and that tells us who's going to fight the next takeover. Make That's, them New Japan. Make yeah, them New Japan. And very go simple. And that way. But uh, yeah. next. Next is the Gauntlet Eliminator match. I think, <laughs> as you guys know, I love this match. This was uh, the match of the night. Maybe match of the year material for me. Um, what can't I say about this match? Love the skitlets. Love me some skittles in the middle of these matches here. I was confused on the rules because I thought a Gauntlet Eliminator meant you had to eliminate someone and then the next person came out. Nope. <laughs> nope, this is like a battle royal, but also a gauntlet match. But li- like, it's just like an absolute overbooked piece of crap match um, with guys who aren't bad in it, but just clearly being used as a way of setting up different angles. They needed to pull off a little swerve ski, and so they have Dexter Loomis get eliminated by LA Knight. Um, which sets up a white hot angle that no one's particularly into where LA Knight's in serious danger of out charismaing Dexter Loomis. Um, cause like Loomis is a natural heel character. I think, I, I think they're gonna have a hard time keeping this guy as a baby face when they get back in front of audiences. Cause like he's, who's going to cheer for this guy? Like who's going to be like Dexter, 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 Loomis, Loomis, Loomis. <laughs> they're not booing. They're saying Loomis. Saying Loomis. <laughs> Loomis. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Cameron Grimes-Swerve-Scott interplay was fun, and I'm here for that match. I just thought Leon Ruff didn't add a whole lot to it, to be honest with you. No, I think he the way Leon Ruff gets treated in these matches makes him look like a goober. I think Bronson Reed wins this match, but he still gets treated like an afterthought during enough of this match, and then enough during night two, that the net result is a net negative for Bronson Reed. Uh, I didn't think that the two-night experience for Reed helped him in the slightest. Uh, I thought during the match here, the the kind of thing that sticks in my memory is when LA Knight comes out, and he starts cutting a promo on everyone and how they all suck. Um, and, like, he's talking about Reed. He's like, I'm going to send this guy to the back. Uh, he didn't do it. But, like, I don't know. I just, Reed feels like a joke to me. That and LA Knight feels a little too rock meets Austin type of thing. <laughs> it, it's, he, he's a little it, too hammy. Like, and, 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 then, and then and then you kind of give like an underlie the hamminess of <sighs> who, who can I Ernest the Cat Miller <laughs> without the dancing kind of. Yeah, it, it's he, he has promo skills. I want to hear better promos from him rather than I think he usual. works better as a face too. I think like wow. he works yeah, I think really? Knight. Yeah, I think Knight works as a baby face who gets under the skin of people. I, I'll give you an example. This group called Imperium, who's all about prestige and stuff, but they're not really serious about it. I think LA Knight coming out there and pushing the buttons of a guy like Walter is actually a perfect foil. It works well for him as an underdog. Um, I, I, I mean, I even him against Karrion Cross. Um, Knight's existing in an ecosystem right now where Gargano is the North American champion. And where Cross is the NXT champion, I think LA Knight does a good job pushing the buttons of carrying Cross and maybe calling out Scarlet's bullshit. Um, where, whereas I don't know what Knight really does as a mid card heel right now. So, all right, enough of this jibber jabber. Let's get to the main course. Three tasty, tasty matches. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got Walter. Defeating Tommaso Ciampa to retain his title. Go ahead, Jeff. Hose me. Hose me. Hose me down. Bad men doing bad things to one another. Walter and Ciampa smacking the crap out of each other's chests. Caving that stuff in. Dropping each other from various heights. This? Oh, I... I was I was like that dog who gets a treat just floating down after getting watching this and and it was it was straight out of the the annals of wrestling history to to not beat the guy with a finishing move but to beat him just with a move you've been using over and over with just a big old chop to the chest that got him down I uh, I will wrap this match up with a bow and give it to a lady on a date and say, Madam, will you please look at this to show you my taste and refinery? I loved this match, Chris. Yeah, like this is a very, very good match. Um, there <laughs> are come from what <laughs> your, 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 your I passion wrap it up in a bow. Yeah, I, don't. I know. I know. Mind goes to weird places. No. OK, oh. so like, like I, I dumped this match. Two problems working against it. One, I don't this is like. It's hard to say this is a minus because I know Walter's a long-running champion, but the foregone conclusion element of this match uh, m- takes you out of it just a smidge. 
Um, you know, you know, you know that Chapa's losing. It's a question of how. Um, and I always like if and then leaving because because if opens up a much wider tree of what can potentially happen during the course of this match. I didn't think they did a good enough job digging into, I don't want them to like over skitlet this, but like Choppa getting that inner fire from like the necklace and his kid and stuff. And because they made that part of the build to this match, I think Choppa at some point should have like held the necklace in his hand and had like one last little fire up moment. It doesn't need to be over. I don't need to see his children like crying in the stands. No, daddy, duh. Um, and you have Escobar's kid next to him in a mask laughing yeah, at him. And yeah, Escobar's kid's like strangling him or something. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but like if Choppa had actually, you know, brought the necklace down, made a beat of taking off the necklace at a moment where he really needed that one last little drop in the gas tank, grabbing the necklace and like, just like getting angry and wanting it one last time. Cause first kid sort of thing. I'm into that. Um, that would have been cool. Like the hand injury spot. Uh, however, I felt like Walter's selling of the hand injury was inconsistent. Here's my interpretation of the hand injury. When Walter does the slam onto the hand injury, he breaks a bone somewhere in the inner hand. Like, that's the story here. It's not like a massive, I, you know, my fingers and digits are completely useless. Yeah, he useless. didn't break all four of his fingers. He broke something like in he, here. But he broke here. something that hurts yeah. like hell. Um, yeah. And that should have been much more um, exploitable and exploited throughout the course of that match. And I think that Walter was trying to balance being a heel with the hand injury and sometimes biasing too heavily towards being a heel and forgetting that like a hand injury is pretty distracting, especially when acutely like tinged. Um, so like get, he, he really needed, he, and he was doing a decent job protecting it, but there were times where he's working the stranglehold and the chokeholds and stuff. And this hand was just a little too active in the mix or a little too like right in front of Champa. And when Champa's not grabbing that hand and exploiting it, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit because that is Champa's whole strategy in the match. So those are my only two demerits on the match, which was otherwise like an absolute hoss match. Like, let's do this again sometime. Like, I'm, I'm into it. I, I, look, Walter rules. Walter is like a generational talent. I, I hope everyone realizes that we're watching a Hall of Fame career here because this guy's quote unquote bad matches are great matches. Yeah, it reminded me of a note I had on, on the Rampage Brown uh, Walter match that I didn't talk about. And that was... If you're going to have me buy into the fact that a guy that has no chance of winning is going to win, you don't start him off with the House of Fire, which is what they did with Rampage Brown. You have him get beat down and then fire back up and then lose in the end. And that was my problem with the Rampage Brown pacing, at least, was that Rampage came out as a House of Fire against Walter, got all the moves in, and you just knew from there it was all downhill. He needs to go uphill to tease it. I kind of think of this the same way in in some ways you, you got to tease me a bit that he has a shot at winning yeah like just walter should have been overwhelming Chapa a little bit more early in the match and then Chapa should have found this as an exploit moment and like yeah, really ha yeah yeah really been able to go to town don't just do the two spot and the oh my god i can't believe it you know that they teach for three weeks or something at the performance center which we'll get into in our main event but uh yeah, just, just just string me along a little bit more with the fact that 
this guy could possibly win this match. That's I, I want know. Walter struggling in some... At this point, normally I would not want this for a heel, but... Walter has been presented and elevated and his style is so specific that I want Walter having to struggle through submission holds that once he gets into this exploit of I broke a bone in my hand, um, I want him to try to like, I want Ciampa to be like working the arm, working the hand and Walter to have to like find his way to the ropes and all of that sort of stuff. I want the crowd screaming, tap, 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 tap. I want us to really be exploring Walter's vulnerability because we are at the point too now in his title defenses where Walter needs to be getting beaten up a little bit during these title defenses to keep it interesting. Yeah. Um, that's all I have for that. Uh, next up I believe is the tag match. Yeah. MSK, uh, the dynamic dudes of Wesley and Nash Carter defeating the grizzled young veterans, uh, not to be confused with the fine young cannibals and Legato Del Fantasma in a triple threat match to win the vacant tag team championships. Possibly my favorite match of the weekend. Oh, interesting. All right, all right. Make the case. Well, well, I just like tag team wrestling. And okay. while this wasn't... Look, it, actually, you know what? I'm going to go back. Probably that Walter match is going to be my favorite. Maybe even the EO match. I mean, it's one of these three matches, and I keep going back and forth on, on them in terms of that. Unless something on WrestleMania blows my mind. I just like, like for hoping... me the the story was not there enough in this match for me to like be like this was like the match of the weekend. Um, like yeah. I love I love the Grizzly Young Veterans. I think the uh, two goobers of Logato del Fantasma are actually very talented dudes, and they're like I will not sucked. have you call them goobers here because let's put this the the. the the glue that held this match together was Raul Mendoza. And I Raul know Mendoza, he's not a SDR goober. Favorite. He he is not a goober. That that was my point. I'm saying, but like they are presented yeah. as the as the goop. They're the putties. They are the putties to the, the monster that, of the week. Uh, this is the most that Joaquin Wilde has gotten in any match yes. in a long, long time. Yeah. And I love those two. Those two had some of the best. <laughs> best in ring stuff, but they also had some of the best acting stuff. Like when they turned on, uh, on, uh, Zach Gibson and they're getting ready to, well, you really kicked out, you son of a, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, look, nobody wanted to see Legato del Fantasma in this match though. They wanted to see the grizzled young vets and them. And I thought they did a good job of getting them out with the two double teams. So I thought that was smart. And while but they this, were in this, this is match, a less, less is more sort of thing where yes. like, like if MSK is going up against grizzled young veterans to set up that rivalry, fine. If MSK yeah. is going up against Logato del Fantasma to set up that rivalry, fine. Both of them narratively make equal levels of sense. I would argue, frankly, that because Drake and Gibson are more established as entities, the group that needed the win more, or that needed to be in a one-on-one matchup against MSK more and really kind of elevate more are the two, you know, henchmen of Legato del Fantasma. Um, and like, build them up. And build them build up them really up. well. Build them up. Make them ch- it, make us because Santos yeah. should be needling those two guys. Hey, I'm a champion. You guys need to be champions too. You're, you're, you're kind of hurting my stilo here. I need you guys to go out and beat MSK. Um, and I think that that's actually a little bit more interesting, marginally, than Grizzled Young Veterans going up against MSK. Um, I also think because that I think beat- the next match, because I think the next match, Grizzled Young Veterans need to be in. They need to win those titles, man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, and I think they're going to be the ones to take it off of MSK, which is going to be 
I mean, and then it's like, what's the point? Then it's just a ceremonial first title run where you don't get anything out of it. Because there aren't a lot of teams in there to now build up because you had all these teams in there. As evidenced by Drake Maverick and Killian Dane being the first elevating title match for MSK. Face versus face. You're not even really, like, and you could say, okay, that's good-natured exhibition. Except that, like, Dane is sort of like the baby face who wasn't. Um, so it's not even the right casting for the good-natured exhibition. He doesn't even like the guy he's teaming with. He just had the one time he had respect for him, and then that's it. He, like, sort he of – it, it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's a but dumb angle. The latter part of this match where they were working on Wesley's hand, I thought was really well done. Especially, like, I thought they were going to tie it with the tag rope and do that. They kind of pulled it through the turnbuckle, which was fine. You know, the spots that they did here, the set pieces were all well done. A little too set PC, but still, you know, you had, you know, you had them taking off the, uh, you had them taking out one, one team took out one guy, one team took out the other guy, and then they come back together. It's a basic story. I can live with it, kind of. Um, there was some heat about the whole, now see, there's a difference between pro wrestling logic and world logic that I want to get into just a little bit here. The main problem with this match is that, uh, oh, our boy Drake Wirtz. What, what's his, is that his, what's his, what's his given gimmick name as a uh, referee? Oh, uh, I thought it was Drake something. Oh, it's Drake something. I don't know if yeah. it's Wirtz though. Yeah. Uh, a triple threat match in WWE is no DQ. That's, that's the rule. So why are you, why does it matter? Why are you giving five counts to teams and stuff? I know they're doing all their, th- everybody should be in that match at once because of the logic of the No, that, that's, that's an I oversight. I it, like, I, I, I normally WWE actually cares about that stuff. Um, yeah. Th- yeah th- so like, I actually, I think- disagree. I disagree with it. I think you should just DQ a team and make it a one-on-one match. If you're going to do that. But. Yeah. I mean, I, I also think that, like, DQ rules and stuff help it. They serve a narrative plot point of showing the ruthlessness of the heel. And so, like, whatever you throw those out, like, you know, you got to make sure you know what you're throwing out and why. It's, you know, it's like pulling stuff out of your car's engine. Now, there were some people who did not like, and this is a tried and true spot in w, in NXT Tag Team Wrestling, the whole... Guy catches the hand before it comes down to tap. Because you're still submitting verbally, giving up. Well, that, and his you know who, his spirit is still broken. No, I hate that shit because his spirit is still broken. Yes, because they're baby faces. Effectively, what happens is one baby face is like, I can't do it anymore. The other one's like, no, I'm not letting you do that to me. Uh, essentially like I can't let you do that to us, but I'm not letting you do that to me. Um, but you're still effectively giving the vibe of I've given up. I have actually been spiritually broken here. So I don't like it. I liked it a lot more when FTR did it or the revival did it, um, back in the day. Cause it makes more sense for two heels to go, Hey, don't do that. And like, it, it just vibes a lot more. It makes a lot more sense to me than it does when two baby faces do. Okay. I, I don't mind it. I, I thought people were being a little bit too. It, it's the same people who do wrestling and MMA. And they're like, well, in MMA, you <laughs> just because you don't tap doesn't mean you don't give up. 
Just like, okay, look, this is wrestling. You gotta kinda I, I'm much more That was about the way the it was in wrestling rules. though, like in the early nineties. Yes. Th- yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, there you was know. no tapping out. You you tap on the mat because you were in pain and the heel could then get people to start cheering for it more because he's tapping the mat. Yeah, and they would do it with would like take, their foot, but like uh, if you yes. see submission victories or whatever, you'll see the ref just wave it off and say he submitted. Um, which is you know, or, part or yeah, yeah, or you or you see like like when Flair or not Flair when Dusty would put the figure four on a heel, or you know just anything up until about what until Shamrock really came into the WWF. Yes, right, right, right. It, it's one of those things where it's like they 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 get in the figure four and then the the heel to signal to the audience that they need to applaud ladder and stuff like that would start whacking the mat because he's in pain and stuff like and now that would be considered tapping out yeah it would be and like a controversial like finish that. no i want to take tap outs out of wrestling because it hurts because it's a natural thing when you're learning professional wrestling you know to slap the mat a little bit for for, for noise and stuff like that, uh, that I, you know. I i think it adds something uh, the thing i'd really like to take out is the phantom tap i hate the phantom tap finishes so yes. much like, like those, the referee doesn't see it and the guy taps and the guy lets go of the that, hold that dumb undertaker one, two, finish i hated that yes. one but there there have been other phantom tap ones but yeah like that that was the way it was i mean that's part of like why did montreal the montreal screw job work it's because back then People didn't necessarily expect to see Bret Hart tap out in a submission defeat. So and you're the able drama, to, yeah. the drama does not does not validate the work it takes to get there. When you have uh, uh, and you're in supposedly a death lock where you're fighting for your life. You know, I don't mind them going out and doing the three with the with the hand. That's you know, that's wrestling. That's it's oh, I, lo- I think that adds, that's drama, too, because the yeah. three with the hand gives the crowd a visual cue of you need to get back into this match and support your yes. man. Damn yes. it, people get behind him. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I love that stuff. Take tap outs out of wrestling. Just have the guy just signal to the ref or something. And then that thing, because the tapping thing, it's, and it's so weird because you see people do it also. Like, they'll get, like, a cross face on, and they'll start hitting the arm when it comes in. It's just a natural reaction to do that. And you think they're tapping, but nope, that wasn't a tap. And then the then the commentary has to go, no, that's they have to tap three times in order to do, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, let's get rid of it altogether. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like this match probably a little bit more. I think the wrong team won. I think, I think they I, really I, needed it. I think there's that. I just, I, I think that. Look, I like all the teams involved in this match other than MSK, who I think are fine. I don't hate them by any stretch. Um, I don't even know that the wrong team won, per se. I just think that, like, less is more with these matches, and I would like to see the tag. I want to see just straight-ahead tag stories. And when when, when takeovers have been their best, it's been when they've been doing straight ahead tag stuff. Um, there've been a few good three team tags in the past. The only but really good three team one I can think of is that ladder match with uh, Authors uh, of Pain, DIY, D- yeah, DIY, DIY AOP, and, and yeah. the Revival. And the Revival. I mean, that yeah. was good. That was cool. I like yeah. that match. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that no, was, that was very, very good. But that worked specifically because the AOP served as power bases. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so like you had a contrast between these three guys, whereas MSK and Legato are both flyers and the grizzly young veterans are good heels, but they're not power bases. They're just like mid-sized heels. They're like the revival size 
sort of uh, thing. So you didn't have big dudes to do the cool big dude spots with. It, it, it's a really sort of set off the three-way trio-y nature of this match. Yeah, but if they're just going to go back to Grizzled Young Vets versus MSK again, I think this is just a waste of our time. Right, then, really just have, then just have it be Grizzled Young Veterans versus MSK. Um, mm-hmm. Then don't even have Legato in it. Um, then we I get don't know to- where I don't know where these teams go. So it's, yeah, but no, ahead. I'm with you. Uh, then we get to our main event of Raquel Gonzalez uh, defeating Io Shirai to win the title. Now let me give you a note here because this was passed along by Sean Rossap over at Fightful. This match was cut for time because one of the other matches went too long, and I think the one that went too long was Champa and Walter. And remember, they're still trying to fit this in. Oh, no, 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 my friend. I I actually could tell you, um, I know this. The one that went too long was the Gauntlet Eliminator match because it shouldn't have happened. Oh, okay. Which shouldn't have happened. (laughs) It was just L.A. Knight's promo took too long. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah. That being said, I would much rather they not overstay their welcome because I thought this match was very, very good. Excellent, even. Borderline great. Borderline great. It got the story over they wanted to get over, which is EO is nuts, which I love. I mean, EO is just that that video package before showing the trash can over the head at war games. Yeah, she's she she's the, the she's the crazy girl. And you know sometimes you gotta date crazy. Uh- <laughs> I, I I would say that my if, if my life is any experience, apparently that's at least sixty to seventy percent of the time. So, like I don't know, I don't know how you date someone like Io Shirai. I know she's married now to Evil, or like a Lindsay Vaughn, who her entire her entire existence is skiing down ice sheets sheets of ice with two by fours on her feet. And then how do you have a normal relationship with a woman like that? Because you have to be so high performance in whatever field you do, and usually in an athletic field because they're such adrenaline junkies that you know. Lindsay Vaughn's never going to date a banker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I think I think these type of people, um, I, I'm not saying I'm an Io Shirai or Lindsay Vaughn type, but I think people who, like, are really into their career and find a career that they really like, like, that's their number one priority. Um, you know, I like what I do, and I, I've certainly, my own experience has been, like, uh, when confronted with the relationship or the stuff that I like to do, um, whether it's the podcast or, you know, being a musician, um, any of that sort of stuff. Like if you're really passionate about your career, you're going to want to prioritize that. And I'm imagining EO, same idea. Um, she's really passionate about her career prioritizes that Lindsay Vaughn passionate about her career prioritizes that. So these type of people are probably great people to be friends with and probably not. <laughs> no, I mean, it's honestly, I'm the no, same I, way. No, though. I, 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 I am a great just... person to be friends with. And I'm, I'm, I'm frankly a lousy boyfriend. Um, if I, yeah. if I have to grade myself, like, I, I think I'm a pretty good friend. You might disagree. Cody might disagree, but maybe I'll just throw this out there. Maybe it's Cody's problem. Maybe Cody's That's the so one who's, who's, who could step it up. I don't know. I, gets d- another yeah. shout out on the show. No, he keeps saying, I keep getting these, 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 these gifts. Hawkins, these Seth Rollins gifts uh, all, all through oh, the week. He's, he's your troll. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, it's horrible. Uh, <laughs> I have yet to know if I'm a good or bad boyfriend, to be honest with you. Uh, at this age. At this age, it just might be too late to experiment. But let's go back to the wrestling. Yeah, sure. This was a, this was a showcase for Raquel Gonzalez. 
we knew we knew that was kind of what was it going, enough it, of a showcase for her? Yes. Okay. Because it was EO throwing herself from high places and from every angle she could and 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 Raquel just kind of deflecting it and slamming her the whole time. And it's fine. I liked that they got rid of Dakota fairly early, but I liked Dakota being that supportive very early. I I I don't mind heels having friends too, and they are kind of situational heels because you had Nia and Shayna come in. They they're actually friends. I hope they don't turn Dakota week one. That would just be stupid. But I kind of wanted her to come back and celebrate with Raquel. Not 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 in that not in that macho man Randy Savage. He gives her the gives one the side eye kind of thing. But just as a genuine congratulations type thing, at least for a week. But, you know, this match did all it was supposed to do. Who should turn on who? Should should Dakota turn on Raquel or should Raquel turn on Dakota? This is, to me, the Dakota big question. Should, Dakota, Dakota should turn on Raquel. So we're, we're making Raquel a baby face. No. No, we're making Raquel the heel. Or we're, so, making, we're making Raquel the baby face. We're making Dakota the heel. Right. So we, ultimately yeah. Raquel's the baby face here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They they um they loved they love doing this with monsters. I don't understand it either, but they love Yeah, like, I know. Sid. Sid had no business being a babyface in WWE. Kevin Nash had no business being a babyface in WWE. But they oh, love doing that on the main Sid, roster. Sid as Psycho Sid in the nineties with like a baby face. Yes, I think that the Psycho Sid character in the '90s was one of the few times where WWE pre like the DX era actually was sort of close to where the public was energy wise with a somewhat modern character. Because like compared to some of these other goofy tunes characters that were like late that. late '80s that's anachronisms. W- yeah, that's that- WWE's fault. That's how they, the, those stupid cartoons was how they book. So of course. Once you yeah, Sid, an Sid older comes audience. out and he's like breaking people's hands with the "Who's the Man" fist bumps coming out there. That theme song kicks ass. Um, Eliminating it, Hogan in the Royal Rumble though is a total was a babyface move to me, and they that <laughs> over as a heel. Type yeah, yeah, Hogan no, was just at peak annoyance by '92, holding on to something when everybody wanted Flair to be champ. Yeah, no, uh, Macho uh, Man. People were people were beyond. No, right? They felt like they want Macho Man as babyface champion. They like they didn't want Professor wanna... Voice, please. Well versed in the history. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but uh, you know, I I think that Raquel. I think Raquel should turn on Dakota. Uh, here's how I think this should go: Dakota should come out. Dakota should be super supportive. Always there for you, buddy. Uh, adorable little Dakota Kai. Still heelish, but like her like evil little heel buddy. I love you so much, Raquel. I'm super proud of you. I'm 100% into this. It's your time. And Raquel's like, yeah, it's my time. A- and, a- and beats down, maybe not beats down Dakota, but very quickly gets tired of Dakota and doesn't, because we need to, Raquel, I think, needs to keep going up, up, up. Um, and I think she needs to be solidified as the heel to do that. Um, and I also think we're ultimately building to Zoe Starks versus Raquel Gonzalez, which is a babyface heel dynamic, wherein Zoe Stark has to be the babyface. I think you can do the turn, and this is what I want. I want them to be friends for a while. If you're going to do this, and I don't want them to do it at all, I really don't, but it's their nature to turn partnerships like this. You can get through the Stark thing, where Dakota, you can have you can have Dakota clean or not Dakota. You can have Raquel clean out the division, 
to be honest with you. And then the only person left is Dakota Kai who goes, hey, what about my title shot? And she says it genuinely, like, I'm a friend and it won't, it won't hurt our friendship. And eventually, as Raquel keeps on repelling it and repelling it and repelling it, that inner Dakota Tegan Knox type of thing comes in where she keeps getting embittered and more embittered. Because, look, the, the Raquel, or not the Raquel, the Dakota turn on Tegan Knox is a top five NXT moment for me. I don't know if you can bring her back to a babyface just yet without Tegan Knox, to be honest with you. No, and, and if she, like, turned on Raquel, I don't know how you get Dakota to turn on Raquel in a way that doesn't damage Raquel's mystique. Um, because, like, Dakota would need to turn on Raquel and, like, beat Raquel and beat her down. down. Yeah, in a serious way. Um, Attack a leg? Attack a knee like she did Tegan, maybe? I guess. I guess. it would, it, But it would have to be really, really serious. Um, and I worry if that's a mystique killer on Raquel Gonzalez. And I don't know that Raquel needs to have the I'm injured title defense at this stage of her title career. That said, we need to get back to this match. We went on a bit of a tangent there. Uh, Io Shirai is always great. And watching her in this match work with Raquel, I, I just... I, I marveled at I marveled at her working underneath Raquel in some of the little things. Because it's one of those things where they were building the story that she's throwing her body at Raquel and it's not working. She's jumping from high things at Raquel and it's not working. And eventually it does her in. And and she gets they call in this it a, sense it's a bit it a like the Balor and Cross match. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, you didn't like it as much as I did. It sounds like. What are your no? Critiques? Um, it, it's. I think that Io was for her part good. I just don't know that this really got Gonzalez off and running the way it needed to happen. I worry that. I don't want to say. It, I guess it is too soon with Gonzalez, but I just think they haven't done a very good job building her, and I like her. Uh, and I think that they're uh, you know like I, I saw a lot. I saw a lot in this match of, of actual stylistic improvement. I think she's better on that front. But, like, she needs yes. to stop looking like Sonya Deville circa four years ago. Um, she needs to have her own look. I think that if she's going to be a baby face, um, the all, like, spandex latex look thing needs to go away. And maybe she just needs to have more of, like, a tough girl vibe. Um, just more of, like, a kind of blue-collar badass sort of thing. If you have not watched it, watch the NXT press conference with EO calls her a meathead. <laughs> it was fantastic. Uh, does EO go up to the main roster? Because I think so. I know tri- yeah. Triple H hates that question because it's like, well, every time somebody loses, you expect the blah, 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 blah. It's like, dude, you've established this kind of thing is after the big graduation after losing the title, people go up. There's nothing for EO Shredder. This to was do. called the developmental brand. The whole point is like, all right, you know, eventually we, you know, we give you a portfolio of things to handle for a while. And then eventually we offload that portfolio of things to someone else and you move on. And the offloading part of it usually precedes the moving on part of it. Unless you're like Keith Lee and you did that one pay-per-view spot or whatever. I think week to week EO might be a little bit of trouble. Oh, you you think she's going to end up in the Oscar zone going? Uh, I think she's going to yeah. ha- be in the heavy Oscar. I think it's going to be Kabuki Warriors two eventually. Yep. Yep. I think she'll have she'll have she'll have great matches against the horsewomen. Don't get me wrong, she'll have great matches against Oscar. Uh, who else? She, is on she there? actually Shana, might she, she might Shana. spice up things too. Like with Oscar and EO tagging, 
they might be able to carry a lot of different pairings in that tag division to they pretty good matches. The, they could do the Kyrie story that they never did in NXT when they were going to split and have a match against each other. Like Asuka, Asuka and EO tagging against the Riot Squad, I think could uh, pull that to a really good match. That'd be sneaky ma- good. Yeah, it'd be a sneaky That'd good match. Sneaky yeah, good. yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of good pairings with those two together. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think EO's <laughs> moving on. What's up? Come on, Chris, are you here for that? Io Shirai Tamina Snuka match. I'll tell you what, this Tamina Snuka, I think she's really got something. Uh, yeah. I like I like Tamina Snuka's facials when she's she's insulted and she has to take it. That's that's the most fun Tamina for me. In that she is I a bit like... of a she's a bit of a character, and I feel like you know yes. one thing that has been underexplored through her tenure there that I will definitely say is I think she's got a lot more personality than necessarily comes through she week does. to week. Yeah, she was she was one of the better parts of Team Bad for me. Yeah, no, I no, that's that's ever. specifically what I'm thinking of. Is like she's actually. She has good comedic timing, and she's the yes. funny heel monster. Yeah, no, she's funny. She, she, I, I she's like that her. funny person that you don't expect to be funny, so when she is, it's much funnier than you think it is. It's yeah, so d- great. Tick- tickles the funny bone sort of thing. Eo, they got they got to take care. They can't put her on week after week against Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans when she comes back, and and Natty, and you know these people that <laughs> live Morgan kind of thing. I just I think. People will get tired of that. I mean, she is. She needs to be protected a little bit like Asuka was when she was first brought up to main roster, in my opinion. She's a badass. She's the most dominant champion they've ever had type of thing. And then go from there. But, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's time for her to graduate. Uh, I, 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 I'm a little surprised because I thought Raquel Gonzalez would lose and go up. I, you know, and that's, I think the the better move too. So that's the other reason why I'm not satisfied with this match so much is that I think Gonzalez really is a better, her, a better path for her is her moving on to the main roster. Um, and being like Sasha's bodyguard doing the same thing they did with Raquel or with, uh, I keep mixing up Raquel and Dakota, but with Dakota. Yeah. Um, or, or, or built building up to that, uh, that red hot Nia Jax versus Raquel Gonzalez match. Uh, Do you think I, she smiled too much after winning? Because that was a criticism too, and I didn't mind it all that much. Y- yes, because I don't know okay. if she's a face or a heel, and I don't think they've that, done okay. a really good job getting us one way or the. I don't know how to feel about Raquel Gonzalez. Um, and and that this is why I'm cold on the match. Matches are narrative de- delivery devices. The work is great, but they got to be in service of like a plot. And I think the plot on this right now is just a little muddy. And I don't know how I feel about Raquel. What, yeah. And that's what we do on Shake Them Ropes. We, we break down story and acting and things like that. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, MyBookie and Manscaped. Use code ROPES on MyBookie. It's one th- up to $1,000 deposit bonus on Manscaped. 20% off plus free shipping on your free order. Once again, code is ROPES, R-O-P-E-S. My name is Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow Chris at D-W-A-T-G. If you just want to follow the show and when the episodes drop, at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. Again, video versions of this podcast on the Voices of Wrestling channel on YouTube. In addition, Chris does other work on the side of various audio things. We'll be back later, probably this weekend, I don't know, with WrestleMania when we're going to do the post shows for that. We'll decide something. We'll let you know. 
probably on, on the Shake Them Ropes account if you follow it. But, Chris, tell them about Don't Worry About the Government. Yeah, I think we can probably get in here on Sunday night and do something for, for WrestleMania when it, when it wraps up here. Don't Worry About the Government can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We have a Patreon if you like want to support my works, generally a buck a show. So I ask for that over at patreon.com slash DWATG. Best way to support the products you're getting here. Um, of course, again, we thank Manscaped and my bookie hashtag laser sniper. Um, if you <laughs> go and check out, uh, there's a good episode on Myanmar that I did recently. I'm working on another long form episode, but, uh, we'll be back here. Like I dropped a monologue show on Monday. I'll be back here on the weekend, um, with another news of the week type show too. So if you're looking for more content, um, we're, we're getting dangerously close to you being able to full, fill an entire work day with Chris Novembrino cast. If we keep putting out three hour podcasts, Hawkins. No, so, we're not no. going. No, we're not going to do that. Professor yeah, yeah. voice, please. Uh, well versed in the history 